Okay, well, welcome to another discussion, another great podcast. Here we are at Promo Kitchen. We're in the kitchen, we're stirring pots, we're clanging pans, and we plan on staying in the apparel decoration lane. And today we have a fantastic guest. And always by my side in the kitchen, well, I should say in the Toronto kitchen, is Mark Graham, the OG, the original gangster of Promo Kitchen, founding chef and chief rabble rouser. Mark Graham, how are you today? I am great because I'm in the kitchen here in Canada. I'm making poutine today. Well, of course you are. Of course you are. And listen, let's not take too much time away from our guest. I think he also has seen a kitchen or two in his day. I've been an associate, a friend, a colleague, some guy that I know in California named Mark Seymour. And Mark is our special guest today. Mark happens to be the chief sales officer. He has this cool title that not a lot of people have, CSO. I'm sure his inner office friends might have a different version of it, but I like the chief shirt officer version of CSO. And so Mark Seymour, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing in lovely LA? I am doing great. It's great to be in the kitchen with you two, Jay and Mark. And as my wife will tell you, I love being in the kitchen. I love to cook. I don't like doing dishes, but otherwise I'm good. <laughs> I love it. That's excellent. Yeah, I've been known to kind of fall into that same thing. But we do have a rule at my house that if you're willing to make dinner, then you better be willing to clean it up too. So that's the rule in our house too, for sure. There you go. So we're excited to have you on. I mean, this is a big deal. You know, Next Level Apparel and Mark Seymour. I mean, you put the three of us together in the kitchen, we're going to make some, we're probably going to make a mess. Let's be real. Let's do it. But the bottom line is, is we wanted to kind of get this interview off the ground and get to know you better and get to know Next Level Apparel better and talk about growth, talk about Whatever comes up. I mean, we have a few questions, but you know what? It might take us into a fun direction. So I'm going to start off by just saying, wow, being recognized as an ASI top 40 supplier, that's kind of a big deal. And tell us what that's like. I mean, not just from a point of pride, because I'm sure it is, but what does it mean to you, Mark? What is it like being in the top 40, being recognized and having some pretty big sales numbers behind that moniker? Wow, that's a great question to start out with. For me, it is a great source of pride. Number one, because if you look at the other companies that are on that list, I mean, they are just powerhouses. They are companies that are doing great things in the industry. They're leaders. They've got vision. They're disrupting all of our businesses in a good way and really keeping everything on a path that allows us all to go out and do lots of good work with the products that we have and make a lot of money and give people a great platform for their messages. So when I look at the other people, the other companies that are in that space, most of which have been doing this so much longer than us, you know, I'm really humbled and glad to be a part of that. And I think the other part is just that it's all about the customers for us. It always has been. And so, yes, we want to make money and we do like the dollars and that's important. And that's how that list is kind of combined. But really, that means that fans that are out there the folks that both wear and sell and talk about next level apparel and monetize their businesses with our product have gotten us on that list and made us welcome in that company in that space. And so, yeah, great source of pride and humbled to be both loved by our customers and in that group of very strong companies. That's a great answer. It's always great. It's always warm and fuzzy to be recognized. But the truth is you're even in the top 10. So I was being kind of cheeky when I said top 40, but in any event, that recognition is one of the things that just sets you apart. It says, hey, I love how you phrased it. You know, We're humbled to be part of this group because it means 
look around us and look at all of these other phenomenal companies. But what's something that you can put your finger on that might have led to that growth? And maybe it's more than one thing, but that's not an overnight thing. I mean, even though you and Next Level might be, would it be fair to say more of a newcomer to the list? I still know that it's been, what, 15, 16, 17 years of growth to get to that point? Yeah. Would that be fair to say? And, and what are some of the things that might have helped get you to that point? Could you share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Great couple of questions. We're a 16-year-old company, which is fairly new to be where we are today. Spoiler alert, we didn't invent the t-shirt. <laughs> we didn't come up with the idea of two sleeves and a place to put your head. That was before us. Okay. And we really didn't even come up necessarily with the specialty yarn and a finer yarn and making a different shirt. You know, I'll give that up to some other really good companies that came before us, you know? Right. So really where we came from was an owner that had their own sublimation business and a jeans business and really just didn't like the choice of printable shirts that was out there and just started making something for themselves. And so often in businesses that are successful, you hear that story at the very common thread where people are filling a need for themselves. And then, you know, that led us to a product that in LA, other companies noticed and said, hey, can we get on that bandwagon? Can we get some of those? And from that idea, it really led to being the blank guys and really trying to service that market rather than being the decorated guys, which I admire and is a whole nother business. So, you know, some things that make us a little different, I think, than the folks that came before us is that we love the idea of using a finer gauge yarn and making a a 4.4 ounce shirt and doing a side seam product and getting the fit right. But what we really wanted to do differently was make a shirt that would give the masses a choice and would really appeal to everybody and give a platform for everybody to use. We didn't want to create something that was just like very niche or you had to be in a club to kind of understand how to use it with a secret wording and a secret handshake. One customer one time told me at a trade show, you know, we democratize the fashion basics. And I love that idea. That's what we wanted to do. Ooh, I like that. So is that in fact what you would call this particular, let's say the lane in which you guys run the fastest or the best, the, the fashion basics lane? Is that a appropriate term? Yeah. There's lots of different ways to describe it, and that's a pretty broad catch-all. But I think for us, both of those parts are important. The fashion piece means that we aspire to have a product that's at the highest end of what that product can be. So if you're a burger and you're in and out burger, then you really have a following of people that love what you do and the way you do it, right? If you're Starbucks, you're just making coffee, you didn't invent coffee, but you do have an army of people who love what you do. We want to be that in the t-shirt space. We wanted to elevate the lowly t-shirt to something that really was fashionable and something that you could wear in in all kinds of different settings and be your favorite garment to come out of your closet. But the basic part is important too, because there's a pricing element and there's a universality to it where everybody can use the shirt. It can work for men and women and, and all kinds of sizes and heights and personalities. That's where we came from. The thing I never liked, I've been in this business for 30 plus years, is the idea of a disposable t-shirt. There was a time when, you know, the 99 cent white t-shirt was the way to go. And we all knew that like nobody really wore that shirt afterwards. Even if they loved the design and the message, you know, it ended up on the floor. So we didn't want that to be a part of it. We felt like if we could get people to do a little bit more in terms of what they were willing to put into the blank, Hmm. then all the great mad scientist art and decoration and messaging that people do would get seen as the people, you know, wore these shirts out in, in the real world. Put shortly, that's kind of really the whole germ of what we're about. 
That's a great story. That's awesome. Mark, what do you think? I mean, there was some gold in there, right? There's a lot of gold in there. And I'm always fascinated by how companies get their start and what it's like in those early days. And Mark, we were talking a little bit about this before we hit record on the podcast, but we were talking about this whole idea of American apparel and how they were among one of the pioneers in creating the fashion basics category in the industry as early as the 90s. And of course, companies like Next Level and Bella Canvas, you were born into a world that American apparel had more or less started. And I'm curious as to how it was like in those early days competing with a brand like American Apparel that had built up such strong brand equity at that time. And to be clear for listeners, the period of time I'm talking about is the early 2000s, because of course, that's when Next Level got its start. Can you take me back to those days and what it was like competing with a company like that? Yeah, there's some great memories there. So first of all, you can kind of put it in context. We were in Rancho Dominguez, which is basically Compton, right? It's the industrial part of Compton. And we had two or three different buildings. And we only had two loading docks. And you know, everybody was wearing lots of hats. And we were all workaholics and very passionate about our brand. But there was definitely those American Apparel, Bella Canvas, Alternative, these other companies that had kind of pioneered the fashion basic space. And I think all of those had in common that they aspired to make a better cut by making a side seam garment and using a better yarn, a cumbering spun yarn, and, and a finer gauge yarn to create what they wanted to do. And we appreciated that they were hacking through the jungle with a machete before we came along, right? So we had some space to come into. And we didn't really look at ourselves in those early days as necessarily competing with those guys. We were really servicing our own company's needs. And then we started to service a group of Southern California companies. And that took us a long ways. We went a long ways with that model. And a lot of that was through the decorators. We've got a very close relationship with the Southern California um, decorators. and uh, That's one of them calling right now, right? <laughs> there you go. There's a phone call coming in. Yeah. Somebody needs another container of Next Level Apparel. Uh, great. Let's get them two. Let's get them two. It's two for one today. Two, two for one. one. Uh-oh. Watch out. That, that phone's really going to start ringing. <laughs> but to get back to my thoughts. So yeah. So we took that beginning idea of kind of the side seam and the yarn part of it. And we made a few changes. Most everybody was using a 30 single yarn. We used a 32 single yarn. Not a big difference. If you don't really geek out about garment kind of stuff, it probably isn't something you really even need to be concerned about. But if you think about it, we took a thinner yarn, a finer gauge yarn, and we packed in the stitches and came out with the same weight. And that meant that our shirt was a little bit flatter face, a little bit less kind of pockets for the ink to fill into. And that was important for the printers because they could use less ink or they get a softer hand, right? right? And if you're making a nice soft shirt, a softer decorated hand was important. In those days, you know, if you look back at where the printing world has come, digital and the rest of it, it's come a long ways. But in those days, the decorating part was really made for a heavier shirt. Yeah. So we kind of had to evolve together. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest was sizing. Yeah. We heard a lot in the marketplace on the women's side that the sizing and the fashion basics that was out there was way too small. And it didn't grade properly. It didn't take a real grade as you went from a small to a medium to large. This was a constant complaint. So we made a, a little bit larger size medium than anybody had, 4 or 5%. And then we braided up a little bit more generously. We think that was important. We made a longer garment. Right. And then for men's, we kind of took the regular tubular sizes that were there. And then we built our side seam garment around that. So if you were already a large a men's, you didn't need a size chart to kind of figure out this new... Right. We didn't like the whole slim fit concept. And then we actually made the shirt longer. So 
different than our competitors were actually a little bit more generous shirt. And what that did was for the folks around the country who started to kind of adopt this nicer, softer fabric, also didn't have to learn so much about how to change the sizing of it. They could adopt what felt more natural to them. And I think we opened a door there. And in those early days, we just sold it direct out of Southern California through a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears and people working late and, you know, loading up stuff between the two buildings. Thank God we have good weather in Southern California (laughs) because rainy days, we wouldn't be able to do what we did. We used a lot of outdoor space to load up boxes on pallets, but those were exciting times. A lot of those folks are still here. Most of those folks are still here. And it, it really made us close. We're a family. I think those kinds of times when you're a young company really bond you together and those bonds are still here. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely. I was reflecting, I've been to LA on a number of occasions and have visited a few different factories there. And it struck me that Los Angeles is actually really unique in that it is a place where you've got such a concentration of t-shirt manufacturers. So you've got Bella, you've got you guys, Next Level, American Apparel. I know there's been a huge adjustment in terms of where they're manufacturing, but let's call them in LA still. You've got Los Angeles Apparel, which has now evolved out of that. And then there's probably a few that I'm forgetting. And I'm just curious if you can just describe what it's like to be in LA, like the epicenter of domestic apparel production for the industry, because I don't think there's any other city that has anything in common with that. Yeah, well, I think LA is unique in that sense, but I would tell you that there are a lot of other places around the globe as we've gone international that have a lot going for it in terms of the both decorating and the apparel side of it. Yeah, I think Los Angeles is unique. I think the culture, the climate, and the fact that there's so many Southern California screen printer companies that kind of grew up and that were big, the entertainment industry that's here, I think drove a lot of that film and music and all. So I think there was a perfect storm for what was at one time, you know, underwear to become outerwear, right? Yeah. So that evolution, certainly this is always a hotbed of that. And I think for us, more than the culture or even the customers, the licensed companies, the decorators are really the key to that because there's just some really innovative, large, smart decorators here that we have been able to kind of, you know, collaborate with as we've come out with new fabrics and tried new things and, we know that if we get it right for them, that we get it right for the rest of the decorating community. So smart. Yeah, we've been fortunate with that. We keep that very to the forefront of what we do and in product development and kind of our customer facing, you know, kind of attitude. Right. Uh, let's dig in on that for just a second before we talk about international growth, which is where I was going to go. But you've mentioned it twice now about this unique connection and collaboration with apparel decorators. And I think that was part of your early DNA, right, Mark, that you had yeah. you had kind of a better vision and a stronger connection with the actual printers, the decorators, the embellishers. Would you agree that that might be part of your advantage or part of your, uh, I don't want to say secret sauce, but you know, I don't know. What is the connection there? Is that still something that's important to you? Is that still something that you guys strive to connect with? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hate to say we did that better than somebody But what we did do is that we really paid attention to that group and we listened to them and we incorporated their pain points and their kinds of comments and issues. And part of that is just, if you think about that business over the period of even the time I've been with Next Level, which is about nine years, how much evolution has happened in the decorator side. So even just keeping up with that, like if that was a one and done back then, and then we just fast forward to today, 
you know, we'd be taxis, right? We wouldn't have evolved with, with what they're doing. But we're fortunate that those companies and those relationships spend time with us. And I think part of that is not just that we focus on them, but they've made an influence on us. And I think when you have that two-way communication, that dialogue, it reinforces you wanted to kind of speak to those folks, you know? Yeah. You know, I've always said those guys are like the sommeliers of our business. <laughs> Even when they're not buying the shirt, they're standing at the table and telling somebody about why they love to wear that shirt. Yeah. They're the curators. Yeah. Yeah. They can passionately talk about our product to a wider audience. And that's so, so important to us. So we will always continue to value and focus on that group. They're a big part of our DNA for sure. Well, listen, this old school screen printer and current digital printer <laughs> appreciates that. I want you to know, I want to thank you for that because, uh, you know, so often, even as a little guy, it's like, you know, nobody was listening. It's like, hey, Haynes, guess what? Hey, Gildan, you know, and we would bitch about stuff, but nobody listened. Nobody cared, but apparently you did. So yeah, good on you, my friend. Good on you. Well, just for the record, you mentioned those other guys not doing that. Not me. I'm, I'm not that one. So. <laughs> I, I did. I, I did. And, and you know what? That's what happens when you're on the podcast with Mark Graham. And Dave, so it gets a little spicy, right? We're in the kitchen and it's going to be a little spicy. We're going to make a mess. I like it. <laughs> We've already made a huge mess. And I've got to say that I've never heard anyone describe a decorator as like the sommeliers of the t-shirt business. I just love that. And it totally rings true. Mark, we were speaking with Brett Bowden, who is involved in Allmade and, you know, another great t-shirt line. Yeah. And just to hear Brett wax poetically about how much he just loves printing this shirt because he's a printer and, you know, a sommelier, as you said, and I'm sure he loves printing on next level Absolutely. too. But I just thought like, it's such an interesting way of putting it because these people are the ones who have to deal with a great shirt versus a crappy shirt when it's going through the press. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I had a, another question there. So we're talking about distribution channels. So we have established that decorators are very important to you. I also know that Next Level is also sold through large distributors, companies like SNS and Alpha Broder. And you also sell, I suppose, direct to folks as well. How do you balance those sales channels so that you don't end up with conflict? Yeah. So that's probably one of the number one questions that we get. And it sounds when the person's asking that, that it would be fairly complicated. And I can tell you from my point of view, I don't see it that way. So a couple of things, we started out selling to direct, that's what we were comfortable. And that's what we did. Today, it's probably less than 10% of our business that's done direct. Right. So our growth came from these beautiful relationships with our wholesale distributor partners, which I really call distributor direct, it really is the most direct you can be. Because if you look at it, we're here in Southern California, even though we opened up a couple of years ago, a second distributor location in Alabama, in most parts of the country where customers want a shirt the next day, two days max, yeah. you just have a geography issue, right? Yeah. And in the Amazon age, when drones are delivering things within an hour, that's not going to change, right? Yeah. So the wholesalers just do this great job of being able to take orders late in the day and manage that business really well and pick down to the piece and get people accurate deliveries really quickly and manage all the credit and the logistics of that. And they're just excellent at that. So when I started with the company about nine years ago, we had a couple small wholesalers that were just doing a little bit of business with us. But Bodica Roads really was the one that like jumped in 
and adopted us in five locations and put us around the country. But we also had a lot of the single location wholesalers that we still have great relationships with today, the you know, the McCurries and ACC. Yeah, shout out to McCurries and AZ. Love it. Yeah, all those guys. So, you know, one of the things that we did with the wholesale side is that as we were growing, we were very kind of strategic, methodical, slow, some people would say, to like add new wholesale companies, distributors to that list. And I think it was really important for us because it let each one of those companies really carry the next level banner in their area for us because they kind of had that exclusivity at that time. But also it helped us to kind of grow into the new capacities that we've got. But we value every one of those relationships today. And I would say that there's not a single wholesaler out there that hasn't been and continues to be a really big part of our success. So we don't look at them as competitors. When you look at the two sides of the business, what we've always said is, what best meets the customer's need? And in most cases, that's going to be through a wholesale distributor. So the 10% of the business really comes from when, for whatever reason, on that tour or on that specific item or in that specific transaction, it made more sense to do business with us directly. So obviously, more of that business is around Southern California because the geography is not as big of an issue there. But I like the customer and how you're going to hear me say that a lot, choice. You know, we don't tell them buy one place or another, but we do coach them that in most cases, that wholesale direct is where you're going to want to get that shirt because they're going to service that business so well. That makes a ton of sense. Mark, did you have a follow-up to that? Usually I'm famous for my 17-part questions, but Mark, <laughs> you are a rare guest in that you actually answered yes. all 17 parts of the question. Yeah, but- so it's 18B. We've established it's 18B that you have to watch out for. Yes. I'm ready. Bring it. Mark, Bring it. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> he is ready. All that I was going to say from a comment perspective, just in summing that up, and then Jay, you go ahead, is that I think that a hallmark of really any successful factory or manufacturer in our modern industry today is they figured out how to go to market through a number of different channels and not alienating any one particular channel. So my guess is that when you're doing a deal with say Alpha or SNS or any of the other folks that you may be working with, it's very transparent that you may have a particular focus in Southern California because that's where you've got a DC and they know that. So you're coming into business as partners, so they understand where the market opportunity is, as opposed to them feeling like you stabbed them in the back, went direct, you know, yada, yada. And so I think kudos to you. And clearly it's been a great growth driver for you. Yeah. You know, I think really like most long-term relationships, it's always about two things, communication, number one, and number two, not what you say, but what you do. And we really take the wholesale partner as a huge extension of our business model to our customers. And so they're used to us walking customers across the street to them all the time and collaborating with them, with customers. One of the things that customers tell us all the time beyond just getting the shirt faster is that you know they want to be able to buy from a company that they can also get a cap and a backpack and other items with. Right. And then there's the free freight sort of thing that the distributors on a certain kind of bulk size order, it's, it's you know, usually a couple hundred dollar threshold, you know, will do, which we don't do. So, you know, I think it's important for them that all those kinds of service pieces that come together that make the wholesaler so integral is an extension of us. That's really cool. I love that you're able to distinguish those points and thrive in that space. The PK Podcast will return right after this short break. 
This podcast has been brought to you by our good friends at Sanmar. Sanmar believes in the power of promotional products. Since 1971, this family-owned apparel supplier has been dedicated to passionately serving customers through trusted brands like Port Authority, Nike Golf, OGO, District, District Made, and SportTech. You can check them out online at sanmar.com. You can also tune in to Sanmar's new twice-monthly podcast, Sanmar Radio, for expert insights and inspiration to grow your business. We are so grateful for the support from our community partners. Now back to the program. Earlier in this conversation, we talked about the difference between a maker, like a screen printer or a decorator, and then in light of what Mark Graham was just talking about, the marketer, the person that's selling this, like a traditional promotional product distributor. So it's really cool that we still see that theme running through this, even though we haven't even brought it up. That's been on my mind. Now that I've said that, moving to a more linear question, tell us about the growth. So you know, now that you've maxed out a little bit in terms of the distribution here in the US, I've noticed that there have been recent moves in, say, Germany, in the EU, in the UK, Canada, Australia. I mean, you guys are like taking over. What's going on? Well, you know, if you make a product that is like a t-shirt that you think is universal, I think one of the true tests of that is, does it go outside of the continental United States? Does it translate, right? And we're really happy to say that not only does it translate, it really has been embraced in the other markets that we're going to. And again, same sort of model. We've got a great partner in Australia. We've got great partners in Canada. We talked for six years to you know, L-Shop and, and Kerry in the UK and Germany, respectively, they were very patient. And they'll say it's seven years. I think it's six years, but we took a long time to get over there. It felt like seven. Yeah. And part of that was that we were growing so fast here. We just want to make sure we didn't ever take a step that we couldn't fulfill. I mean, we haven't really talked about one of the biggest things in our industry that makes you successful, which is inventory. Right. So in real estate, they say it's location, location, location. So in our business, it's inventory, inventory, inventory. And we really were passionate about making sure that if people chose a next level shirt as their platform or what they were doing, that they could feel that that shirt was going to be reliably made consistently and available. And that's a real key component. It was a real key component in the fashion basics, which tended to be lots of different products, but a little bit of a veneer, right? Not the kind of depth of inventory that you had with the Hanes and a fruit and the Gildan basic. Yeah. But we knew that if it was going to be adopted like those shirts, or maybe replace those types of shirts as what was the standard shirt that people would use, you had to have those levels of inventory. So we didn't move internationally because we wanted to make sure that we were prepared. And so now we've done that. It's really exciting times. It gives us a whole other kind of market to look in. We've got great partners there. But the thing that amazes me is how universal the next level t-shirt and t-shirts in general are throughout all kinds of different cultures and languages and if the printers and decorators in those countries are very, very similar and they're talking about the same sort of things, they may be a little ahead of us in kind of the sustainability piece of the business. And we may be on a different year or two on some of the kind of fashion trends, but basically there's more commonality there than what anybody would think. And it's, it's kind of cool and exciting to be able to go to other cultures and have them get as excited about a t-shirt as someone does in Nebraska. So it's fun. <laughs> Nebraska. Nice. 
Yeah, no, that is cool. And it's impressive and good on you guys again. It's a compliment to your team, to the styling, the attention to detail, and everything we've discussed to this point. But let's move now. Let's shift it a little bit to more of a local discussion. So, you know, I had the amazing opportunity to hang out with you guys, your team in Austin at the last South by Southwest. I honestly haven't stopped gushing about it since. You know, they're all just like, Jay, shut up about the South by. It's over. You know, we got next year to worry about. But here's why I want to bring it up again. And it's the importance of that collaboration that you talked about earlier, where we had like two or three intersections and it really opened up my eyes. Like you had live printing and printing on demand. You had a next level product, which was, by the way, the official t-shirt of South by Southwest, if you didn't know, and that in and of itself. And then you had this technology hub you know, you had music people and film people and tech people. It was like the mecca of t-shirts. And yet it was very much on a local vibe. So Mark, were we just lucky? Or did you plan that? I mean, how did that come together, this next level vibe around South by Southwest or the South by Southwest vibe around next level apparel? How did this all come together? Yeah, so glad you asked about that. You know, one of the things about most of the success stories that we've had, whether it's something like a South by Southwest or a company that wasn't originally using a t-shirt or using a next level t-shirt to kind of tell their story or promote their brand or whatever, is that so often it starts with someone wearing our shirt and really just loving it, just kind of loving it on a personal basis. And that's what happened at South by Southwest. The folks that were in charge of this kind of emerging South by Southwest, which was, you know, film and music and so much more than just a music festival. It really was, you know, so many different things. It was really a cultural festival. And they had approached us and said, number one, we want to use some of your shirts for us to promote South by Southwest. And at the time, Gap was the official t-shirt. And so they bought some shirts from us to kind of supplement what they were doing. And that conversation went from, hey, if that opening ever came about and you could be the official shirt would you want to do that? And we were like, of course, we would love that. That'd be awesome. We don't really know what that means, but let's, let's talk about it, right? Like, it sounds like something we should do, right? <laughs> right, right? A couple of years go by and the opening comes up and then we decide we're going to do this. Well, from their side, it was really like, okay, that means we get the shirt from you and you're the merchant and then you guys can have access to a couple of our trade shows and we could do some marketing things together. And we really sat down you know, that first year, it was just a free-for-all. We brought a bunch of shirts and we got mobbed and we sold them for way too too cheap. And we had lines of people and we weren't prepared, which was all fun. It was like part of the thing. We were a pop-up and we got blown away. And we got to find out how many people that aren't in strictly our business knew the Next Level product. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, they brought us at a concert or a NASCAR race or they'd gotten it somewhere, right? And so that was really fun to kind of break through that barrier, which is really great for us. All these trade shows that are kind of industry driven. We do over 50 trade shows a year. We believe in that, right? But here was this new space that we could meet a wider audience. And so when you came in, Jay, that was our fourth year. And we just kept evolving each year and doing more things. And so my son's a musician. I love music. I love going to South by Southwest. When I go see some of the film premieres and I love some of the music I get to see. It's just a great, it's a great week to be there. And so we decided to collaborate with the Clive Bar on Rainy Street, which is kind of really cool new area that's kind of becoming like the next Sixth Street of, of Austin. Yeah. And so this great bar, the Clive Bar, and then we were going to have two days. We're going to have bands and we were going to have a printer there. And we took it one step further. We said, we really want to create 
a synergy between the bands and the printer and ourselves and the audience, right? And so we had the bands each send us yes. a line from a lyric, right? That was important to them. And then we live printed that on the shirts. Right. So the back of the shirt was like the regular kind of tour shirt. It shows the bands that were playing on the two days and South by Southwest. But on the front was this very specific thing. So the band's playing, yep. they're printing. At the end, the band would come up to where the printers are. They would meet some fans. They would give out the shirts. And if they wanted to, they signed them. Most of them did. Some of the band members had never really seen printing and had never pulled a shirt. Some of them even got behind on the machine and actually pulled their own shirt, which was really fun. Awesome. But it just created this connection of all the people that are kind of involved in what makes a shirt part of our culture. And it was just really a special two days. And we did one day where it was all female bands, female-fronted bands. I give that credit to my son that says, you know, the female bands don't get enough credit. So we did a whole day of that. Don't get enough play. Yeah, cool. Yeah. But we had bands that came forward through this collaboration that we did that already had a next level story. Like they had used Next Level before, they love Next Level. So there was this whole next level love fest and music and everything that happened. And yeah, South by Southwest, we're just continuing to kind of have that thing grow. But it's great to meet customers that aren't just within the kind of space that we do at the typical kind of trade shows. We do a couple other shows like that. We do a fitness show that is a wider audience. We do the NAM show, which is the National Association of Music Merchants. So it's all the guys that are making hard goods for the bands, but the bands are walking around and the, yeah. the tour merch managers are walking around. And of course, all you know, Pearl Drums and Gibson, those guys are all using black t-shirts to print a name on to promote their product. So <laughs> absolutely, it's not a bad gig for us. But yeah, South by Southwest is special. Dude, that is such a great story. Thank you for sharing that. I Again, I keep gushing about it. We were blown away. It was so cool to see the alignment. And you hit it. You touched on it. You had the bands. You had the attendees listening. You had the makers, the actual printers. And then if I'm not mistaken, did you not also have a component that had a purpose for fundraising, like there was a charity or something that was connected to it as well. So you pulled all that together under this brand and it's no longer just a t-shirt. Dude, it's an experience. And I mean, I was moved. I, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. I'll stop gushing now and I'll let Mark Graham follow up. Well, I'd seen that South by Southwest announcement a little while ago and I was really curious about it because, of course, I know Next Level as someone who's in the industry, but I was wondering, I was curious about the brand recognition from the regular person on the street for Next Level. I mean, you talk about Gap. Gap is a retail brand. Next Level, maybe not as much so as the Gap. And I'm curious as to how that sponsorship has driven sales for you. I mean, are you finding that the regular end client, the consumer, is going to their promotional products distributor or to their decorator, or are they calling you directly because they see the information and the label? Are you seeing that kind of traffic because of that promotion? Absolutely. We're interested in that aspect because if you look at a lot of the other major brands out there, you know, Hanes, Fruit of the Loom, American Apparel had done it. They all had a retail kind of facing business model. Yeah. And the wholesale was a piece of that. Some would even say, it was the smaller piece, right? Correct. So for us, I think one of the secrets to our success in growing up was that we always just focused on the wholesale. Yeah. You could buy our shirt on lots of websites and stuff. It's kind of an amazing story. Yeah, that is crazy. But, but we have yet to do that, right? That's all because the shirt was loved and it kind of got dragged into that space, which is great. But we've really built this wider audience 
but through this filter of the decorated apparel industry. Yeah. Pretty fascinating that we could do that, you know, that we could hit a wider audience when we didn't really push ourselves out to them directly. So South by Southwest and some of these other things are us testing that model and understanding places that we could go to festivals, we do some festivals where we could get closer to a customer that isn't there decorating the shirt, but is there kind of as more of the consumer level. I had a story the other day, and this happens all the time. Sometimes I'll come from something and I'm wearing a shirt that's got my next level logo on the back. Go figure, right? And I fly Southwest a lot. So I'm standing in the Southwest line. I, I fly so much that I'm in that middle of, of the A group. And I hear this guy yell from like the back of the line, hey, hey, you, A16, next level guy. You know, <laughs> I turn around. He says, hey, I just want to say I love your shirt, right? Oh, yeah. Yell this out in the middle of the airport. And I just got, I got, I got chills, right? Because that's a person who just probably has a next level shirt that they got somewhere in a concert or whatever and, and loves it. And I have guys sometimes come up to me, people come up to me and say, when can I get my next level blank? you know, online. And, and you could do that today through third-party resources, but the day is coming soon when we'll take some more control of that and make sure that people that want to wear it, you know, as a blank can get it. But it's very interesting to me that we've never really put resources into that, yet we've reached that audience. I'm really proud of that. I think the hard goods equivalent to the story you're sharing, Mark, is what Jason and Mike at Origadio have done. And it's interesting because they started off selling decorated speakers, wireless speakers, and you know, with hard goods space, kind of a dime a dozen product, right? A bit like t-shirts in terms of it being commoditized. And right. they've gone to South by Southwest and they've also had kind of a quasi retail presence. And what they've ended up doing and what they've ended up realizing is that by playing in that consumer space, even though they sell exclusively through distributors, they're creating this brand awareness for this promotional brand that is getting, you know, someone who works at Google to say to their distributor, hey, I got this thing from Origadio. Can you get it for me? And I think that that was a bold decision on their part because a lot of other of the traditional hard goods suppliers do not brand their name on it because for whole sorts of reasons. But it sounds to me this may be a bit of a stretch, but what I was thinking about when you were talking about this with South by Southwest, that now you're creating this demand at the consumer level and getting them to pull or influence their decorator or distributor to go and order next level because they had a great experience with you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, one of the things that you really see that influencing the market is in the e-commerce space. So when people are buying a shirt online and they're typically buying it because that's their favorite band or there's some catchy one-liner or there's some kind of pop culture message there. But the question in their mind a lot of times is, well, what's the shirt going to be like? Is it going to be a shirt? How's it going to fit me? Yeah. And I think we get feedback all the time from folks that are in that e-commerce space that if, if they tell them it's a next level shirt, that then there's an acceptance that they're going to love that. Plus they're seeing the image online and so they can piece the thing together and know that they're going to get the product that they want. And so we take a lot of pride in that as well. So Mark, there was some big news about a year ago when Next Level announced that it had refinanced with a big private equity investment. Can you talk a little bit about the impact that that investment has had on Next Level's business? Yeah, it's been about 14 months and a company called Bluepoint Capital jumped in and took a 65% stake in the company. And it's been exciting. You know, a lot of people tell horror stories about boards and 
new folks in the mix and everything. And I have to say, it's been stellar. Number one, it's a brain trust of people on the board that come from some with inside the industry and some outside that have really been refreshing to have more insights and some have expertise in marketing or branding or different kinds of even the social responsibility thing is fast tracked out of that. So it's been good. But I think for us, besides just having more money to go make more inventory and better warehousing and we're going to get a new ERP system next year, so everybody light a candle for us for that because I know that's not fun, but it's, it's good when you get through the other side. Sorry, yeah. I, sh- I shouldn't have been laughing at that. No, no, no. Every, everybody who's been through that, and I've been through it a couple of times, knows what we're talking about. So, But I think the biggest thing that's been cool is, is that we have this culture of these people that have been next level all wearing you know multiple hats. But I've been able to hire a new marketing director. I've been able to hire Sabrina, who came over. She was nine years at Bella Canvas, and she's come over as our new wholesale director. And you know, there's a new senior VP of manufacturing and sourcing, VP of logistics and transportation. Uh, director of corporate social responsibility. So we've just been able to fill out our roster of really talented people. Yeah. But what's been fun is to watch them come in and kind of adopt the next level culture and become a part of who we are. And very cool. That's not always something that happens seamlessly. And it's been really fun to have lots of new smart people with a lot of energy. We used to have a part-time IT guy. We have an IT department. And then just the folks from Bluepoint have some apparel industry background. And so they came with a good set of kind of expectations and knowledge. And it's fun to watch, you know, it's kind of grow, grow the company. You need more capital and you need more smart people. And that's been a big part of it. So we're very blessed that way. Yeah, I hear what you're saying around private equity and the horror stories that some people share, not necessarily in the promotional products industry, but I think that that can happen. But I think if you look at the good it can do, you're A, getting a huge infusion of capital, which in your business is massively capital intensive with all the inventory that you require. Number two, you're getting this outside perspective on the business with some super talented business people that are not necessarily just from the apparel business, like they've got this outside perspective. So you're bringing in the superpower, not only from a cash perspective and from a talent perspective. You know, If your business is at that right stage, it can have a massive effect And I think that story applies to other larger suppliers in our industry that have taken on private equity investment. And by all means, it seems like they're doing very well with it. So, hey, it's nice to have capital (laughs) available to us because I don't think that was the case 10 years ago during the recession. So good on you. (laughs) Yeah, congratulations. Let's transition into one of my last questions. One of the things that I think distinguishes both the brand, the maker of the shirt, as well as the decorator of the shirt are trends. And trends are fleeting. And sometimes they're a fad, they spike really high, and then they're out. So we try to avoid the fads. But Mark, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about some of the upcoming trends or things that you've seen. 2019 is coming to a close. So if I'm an apparel decorator, if I'm a promotional product distributor, what should I be watching for? What should I have my eyes tuned to for 2020? And maybe Next Level could give me a little tip, a little inside info. I'm going to answer that a couple ways. I'm going to tell you what I think are some of the trends that we're having people come to us for. And then I'm going to tell you what is kind of a trend that I want to continue to spark. I think where the industry has settled, first of all, next level has never been to be out there and kind of the flash in the pan or, you know, I hate that term, fast fashion. For us, we're not out there to be some kind of fleeting fashion, right? We're out there to be staple, you know, an elevated staple. But, you know, something that 
if you want your favorite coffee, if you want your favorite burger, you know where to go, right? But some of the things that have been happening in the industry that are really kind of interesting was when you look at the change from kind of if you wanted to make a better shirt, you didn't necessarily make it softer. You just made it heavier and bulkier. Maybe it was bigger, yeah. longer sleeves and a, and a huger neck and more stitchings and you know all this kinds of stuff to where we went to what we were doing, which was the 4.4 ounce side seam. You know, super fine yarn, comb ring spun, soft. You wash it, wear it a bunch of times. It's durable, and everybody loved it, right? But we noticed that even though there's more and more customers that are coming kind of from the other side and jumping over the fence, and oh, there we go. Now they're calling you and jumping on the bandwagon of that shirt. There was a group that was kind of entrenched in like, no, I like the little more workwear, heavier shirt, right? Yeah. And so over the last few years, we started to focus on that and say, well, what does that mean for our business and what can we do for that customer? And so we're coming out next year. And this is something that it's the first time we're telling the audience really about it. Yes. Breaking news. Oh, my God. I'm excited. A brand new shirt. It's going to be style 1800. It's going to be a 5.7 ounce tubular t-shirt. The first time we're kind of going away from side seam. Mm -hmm. It's a carded ring spun. It's not as soft. It's certainly not as lightweight, obviously, as the shirt that we make today that everybody loves. But it's what we think is going to become the best version of that heavier shirt. We did a few things with the sizing where it's because it's on a tube where we on the medium and then up, we, we added an extra half inch on the tube. So we made it a little wider. We made it an inch longer. We did some different things with the cut. I think it's a great product that the customer is really going to love. We're launching it in... 100% cotton in 20 colors, you know, up to 4X. It's going to go to 5X eventually. It starts in extra small. And it's really for that customer. Sometimes it's been a skate customer, an urban customer. But there's a customer out there that just wanted a little bit heavier shirt. Yeah, they appreciated that heavier weight. Yep, I get it. Yeah. And so we're excited to take a stab. You know, I hope we're going to be successful. It's a new thing for us of the newest version of that type of shirt. So it's going to be fun to be in that space. So I don't know if that's new necessarily, except that I think that customer who wants that shirt has been looking for inventory, 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 mm -hmm. a consistent shirt. They love having the next level label in it. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, our take on that, a little different version. So it's gonna be fun to see where that shirt heads in the marketplace. You know, we're making a whole bunch of them. So I hope the market embraces that. I mean, I could talk about the crop tee and we do what we call a cali crop which is a little bit longer i think there's still more life in that all the color blocking and retro stuff with the raglans and the ringers those are cool stories that are out there i think most of the customers you know if you don't know about those things they can come to the website we can talk about it. but i think it's really interesting this kind of lighter weight heavyweight shirt two good versions of that i think it's kind of the wide tie skinny tie too the skinny tie maybe has been in vogue for a while and there's just the counterculture now wants something a little bit different. Yep, I think, totally I think that happens. Yeah. But again, it goes back to what I've said a couple of times before is we just want the freedom of choice. You know, we want a customer to have both those shirts and sometimes they want something heavier and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they want to wear it loose. Sometimes they want to wear it, you know, fitted. You know, we don't all do it the same all the time and not everybody, even based on their body size and what they look like or their gender wants to wear it the way someone tells them to wear it. It's like, we want to give them choices, you know, and let them go out and make it their own and put their own message on it. It becomes an extension, you know, of them. So yeah, yeah, that's good. That's that one side. Now I want to take a quick minute and talk about what's really important to Next Level and to me personally, which is kind of 
social responsibility and, yeah. and a garment that can mean sustainability, but it means a lot more than that in our space. And if you look at the garment industry, we shouldn't be proud. We should be disappointed kind of in our track record in this area. Because if you look at home goods and cars and food and energy and almost any other technology, a lot has been done around this idea of social responsibility. And yet in the garment world, you know, I think there's still this kind of nagging concern always when you get a great shirt. It's, you know, where was that made? And was it on the backs of somebody who wasn't treated as well as they should have been? You know, do we not take care of the environment in that process? And we know that cotton crops use a lot of water and are typically, you know, pesticide laden. They use some of the best land. And so we are really working at next level to both bring product choices to the market that are better for the environment, but also to push the vision and the message about apparel being, you know, leaders in the commerce space in terms of the social responsibility. We recently hired a new director of corporate social responsibility. We're going to DC next month on a path to our FLA approval. Right on. It's kind of the highest accreditation. We're putting together a plan for the company to reduce its carbon footprint and you know, it's something that we've always been passionate about at Next Level. We are a family, so we treat our folks like family. So it's not a big stretch there. But there's a lot of methodology about that that isn't necessarily something that you you just do because of who you are. You have to line things up. So Carly's going to help us do that. And she's been embraced here at the company. We welcomed her a couple of months ago. And we're fast-tracking all this stuff. And so I would encourage the rest of the industry... We have two sustainable products that we have in the marketplace already that are great values and really fun to wear and have a great story behind them. And then we added two more next year. And then we're going to start putting more components, sustainable components in what we do. And we're going to push the envelope. We're going to really try to, to drive that story home. And I would like down the road to have most of the products that we sell have some kind of sustainable component to it. I think we can get there. And I know that our audience, if we can do it right, will follow along with us on that journey. So. That's a great goal. That's well said. And I appreciate you sharing all that with us, the trends, the sustainability, your future plans, your growth, all the certifications and all the work that you're doing. That's fantastic. Good on you, man. That's just a true sign of a great leader. So we appreciate your time today. One huge high five for you, Mark, for sharing all of these great tidbits and insights. So thank you so much. And we're really excited to see all of your success in 2020. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.